we're live. Hello. 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 Hi, all. Welcome. Look it is got here today. Lou. It's Monday night, generational change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter, and yeah, it's uh, it's a party, and we're uh, we're, we're early. We're early. Yes, we are, and we are, of course, uh, not normally on at this time, but uh, because our good friend, hey Tony, uh, because our good friend Jordan Jarrett in a status quo is going to be coming on here shortly. I believe he's wrapping up his live stream. He does the uh, early bird. Yes. Jordan's about the early bird. Jordan's about too good for the early, early bird. bird. <laughs> Smash the like button. Get this out there to as many people as you can. <clears throat> Don't know if our new uh, thumbnail is going to make a difference in terms of live viewers. We'll Probably. see. Probably. Well, but then we're also doing that with this other variable of a different time, which is not good to change. Two yes. Days, well, people don't, don't necessarily know. anticipate that, but I would assume that uh, some people. Will come so, well, I mean, th- we have things we need to talk about. <laughs> We do. I don't uh, normally like to get involved in a lot of the stupid nonsense that goes on, but yet I feel the need to get involved in that lady basketball thing. Ah, so we're going to go there. Well, I mean, I don't know what you're planning on talking no, about, like, with Jordan. Fine. I mean, I I'm I don't know much about anything. I know that the LSU team won, and it's a women's thing, and it was like the biggest. First national championship ever. And it was like the least. biggest watched for a women's championship. In 15 like, years, any men's or women's, apparently this thing like really broke okay. some Okay, and yet, and yet, yet our, our women in places where they can get paid don't get paid, and in places where it's unpaid still don't get the same recognition, and blah, 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 blah. But so apparently there was a thing that happened. A thing. And I'm I'm sitting here and figuring, I wonder what she did. Like I I figured, like I assumed that she flipped her a bird, which I still wouldn't have necessarily cared about either. Um, but no, she didn't do anything that was remotely if like when I read about what it was she did, the fact that anybody gave this girl a hard time for that needs their ass kicked. Like right. seriously. So for anybody who has been paying attention or even cares about uh women's basketball, I happen to just care about basketball. I don't. Uh Kate uh Caitlin Clark is considered another one of the great White Hope basketball players, only she is legitimate. She is a fantastic ball player and has been getting rave reviews in terms of her play throughout the NCAA women's tournament. And she had an all-time performance of, I think, like 40 points in the first Final Fours in the semifinal game, uh, which they won uh, against South Carolina. And... Then they got to the championship game against LSU and LSU's best player, Angel Reese, was somebody who really put on a dazzling performance in her own right. And they ended up winning the national championship for the first time in the school's history. In addition to that, set an all-time scoring record for a woman's game with 102 points. That's also very impressive in its own right. But the thing that, of course, is going to be talked about has nothing to do with the game, nothing to do with what actually was accomplished on the court. It has to do with whether or not this is considered taunting or uh, classless behavior. So we will show you guys right now. Exactly. You have the exact part that they were saying, because I wa- I saw this and I don't this get what, what everybody uh, was going bananas about. Okay, guys. And Angel Reese I don't is coming. I don't see the problem with that. I don't see the problem. Yeah. That's athletes being athletes. She was pointing at the ring finger like we're going to get the championship. Isn't that, I'm sorry, that to me seems like totally acceptable, sportsmanlike kind of baiting. And I honestly, nobody would be saying this 
when I have never heard this kind of thing mentioned with men's sports, unless there's physical violence. It's trash talking is what it is. Yeah, well, good. But I don't, honestly, I originally thought, well, she must've done something obscene or whatever. No, she, she was referencing that she doesn't want to see you and you're in there. That's how the only thing thing that Angel Reese did that I didn't like was that there were a couple of instances where she basically looked like she was stalking Caitlin, like she was trying to, you know, like follow her around and like get in her face. So like, yeah. And she got a technical foul for that. But the idea that what she did was so, oh my God, what she did was so terrible. It's I like, don't know anything about the other stuff. I am specifically referencing her doing that gesture. And I don't care. I don't need to know that that is so benign that the nuance and the context is irrelevant to me. That's how, it's so benign that quite honestly, everything that happened before doesn't even matter. I don't understand what the big deal is. That to me is athletes being athletes. You And, and I cannot stand this idea that female athletes are not just treated differently, but like, it reminds me of League of Their Own when they wanted them to wear skirts. You know, if like- you they're can't tr- play in this, I got a whole bunch of ladies. Right, like they, they, the girls had to play in a dress. This is the same thing to me. This is because nobody would ever say, I have been to a lot of college sporting things when I was in college and post-college. I see how people talk to each other, both on the field, on the court. Nobody would bring this up if this was boys. Sorry, they wouldn't even be talking about it. And the fact that anybody referred to her as classless or trash is they are classless and trash. This to me just looks like sporty stuff. Your sporty games. We're happy to help you, Rufio. We're glad to have you here. Uh, what I will say <laughs> is that there there was also a compilation video that, of course, was put out today uh, that was really solid that showed all of the wonderful taunting that has gone on in the NBA and college basketball. It's not so much in, uh, men's college basketball, but if you look at what goes on in the NBA over the time, like the finger pointing and the touching and the fisticuffs and all that, I mean, look. The this fact is, nothing. she got in the face of a superstar basketball player who was doing this herself in other games. She had done it to other people. Right. So now, of course, there's going to be the people that make it a race thing, which it is that too. For there's some. definitely an intersectionality here. Yeah, for some. And absolutely. there's people that are making it like, well, when when the white player has done those things, nobody's called her out on it. And now this girl's doing it and we're calling her out. Absolutely. And if that's the case, that's the case. I can't speak as any of that. I don't know any of that. All I know is that if that is what people are offended by, sports are not for you. I, I'm sorry, but it's like if that kind of behavior offends you, just just go watch something else. Seriously, go watch HGTV, the cooking channel. Sports is not for you. You will not survive sports in this world if that is something that is so offensive to you. I, I just I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. First of all, she's adorable. So I don't know, and anything yeah, she Angel did, yeah, Reese? she's adorable. Yeah, she's um, and just six three, whatever. She's cute. So she's oh, she's when you're standing around tall people, you don't look tall. Um, but so I just I don't see anything that she did. I, I hope I so am hopeful. If if I do not apologize for that ever, ever apologize for it. Like I would sooner die than apologize for something that like that if I were her. Yeah. I would dig my, are you kidding me? She didn't do anything wrong. I can't believe we're even talking about it. But anyway, but I had to, of course, hear that apparently Keith Oberman had a position on it for something as if his opinion matters in the past 30 right, so years. So we're going to get into this because okay. there's no way we can. Uh, he is just a, yeah. Um, he called her up. Effing. Idiot. This girl. For doing that. So Keith Oberman, an, a grown ass man, 
A man-child. Man, well, he yeah, is a reputation okay. for a man-child. So this man is calling this girl, who, by the way, Keith, their brains aren't fully formed yet. So we do expect young people to do some stupid stuff. But this doesn't even qualify. I find him so, he is insufferable. Please do not make me watch him live. Okay, so. I cannot. Doesn't matter the gender, the sport, the background. You're seconds away from a championship and you do something like this and overshadow all the good, mindless, classless. And what kind of coach does this team have? A winning one. Oh, yeah. I mean, they won the <laughs> national championship. What I mean, I'd say that that's pretty good. Would anybody have ever said, do you think, did he ever say this about Bobby Knight? Did he talk shit about what kind of coach was Bobby Knight for he being so offensive? He got absolutely destroyed by a lot of people, including Shaq. Shaq came out and I was like, shut, so. your, shut your dumbass mouth. Seriously. And so then Oberman has to be brought to heel ever so slightly, saying, I apologize for being uninformed last night about the backstory on this. I don't follow hoops, college or pro, men or women. This is a guy who worked for SportsCenter for how many years covering sports? He doesn't follow sport. Then don't comment on it. I had no idea about Clark. Both were wrong. This is what I said in today's countdown. Po- no, no one cares what you said in today's countdown podcast. Uh, no one should care what Keith Oberman had to say. Nobody's cared what Keith Oberman had to say since yep. Rachel Maddow was somewhat decent. Same time frame. They went. They were on back to back. Carla, I remember at the time during the twenty foot when the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl back in twenty fourteen. <clears throat> Richard Sherman, who I don't particularly care for, he's got a big mouth and was basically talking a lot of smack towards Michael Crabtree of the 49ers. But to understand that there is an intense rivalry between the Seahawks and the 49ers and that this was moments after the Seahawks won their first ever NFC championship. Was there fighting? No. He was interviewed by Aaron Andrews and Aaron Andrews did not like his sort of jive talking. It made her physically uncomfortable that she didn't want to hear him doing his thing, basically talking smack to Richard to Michael Crabtree after the game. Who is is this a is this a woman sport commentator? You don't know who Aaron Andrews is? No, and nor do I want to. I, I no, take anyway. issue. I'll get on that in a second. Yeah. Not, I cannot deal with women like that. Yeah, it, it was uh well <laughs> then do not cover sports. Uh, I, I can't help myself, but I feel like I just I have to put this up here because I've been wanting to go after Oberman. For oh, the my God, you're going to make me watch because I'm so effing tired. of this. So son of a this bitch. is the same thing. I, I definitely am much more of a fan of any type of sports commentator that have played the sport on which they're commentating. That is something that I just think is sort of should be a prerequisite in a lot of cases because you're making a lot of like comments. Although nowadays the people that are making the comments are being told what to say anyway. So I don't know that they need to use their own judgment. Well, it's also trying to make themselves look like they're really. uh, (laughs) I've never. And I, so I don't, I never like the idea of people who haven't played a sport commenting on that sport. Like it's just not something that I've ever liked, but when you have a a commentator that's going to play somehow some sort of like, uh, you know, me too offense when covering the NFL, you need a different job. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you will you will not survive sports. Yeah. And it's not like and it's not like anybody did anything to her. That would be different. That would be different if somebody did something to her. Let me be very clear. If somebody was like abusive to her, but just her being offended by how they talk to each other, you she she will not survive this industry. Okay, so you people need to all understand exactly who Keith Oberman is because he's absolutely nuts and I Why do not hope so and, bad. Uh, well, Trump broke his brain. Well, and same as Maddow. The two of them like went friggin' 
that like they unwired. You know what? I'm not even going to play the whole. I'm just going to play this short little clip here, Please. just so you get an idea of exactly how nuts this. Yeah, don't make okay, me because it's a short. It's a short video, okay. uh, but this is basically Keith Oberman's brain being broken <laughs> and acting a fool, <laughs> as as I would say, because that's what he was doing. He's acting a fool talking about Russia and Trump is controlled by Russia. Blah, 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 blah. Here we go. The nation and all of our freedoms hang by a thread. And the military apparatus of this country is about to be handed over to scum who are beholden to scum. Russian scum. Russian scum. <laughs> Russian scum. When did Oberman, it, that's almost like, he sounds like he's like Alex Jones like. He is Alex Jones like. Like, but this here's is the thing. Crazy. Here's the thing about Keith Oberman that you have to remember. He has had a reputation for years of being very difficult to work with, very nasty to people in general, very nasty to women, in particular women that he's dated. He's got a really bad reputation across the board, and yet somehow always keeps getting hired. I often wonder. Why and this is someone face- calling someone classless and oh, yeah. trashy. This is someone referring to somebody's class. This is like Debbie being the arbiter of integrity. I, I, I just, I don't understand this. Who's here? All right. So what else did you want to say about Olbermann other than he? <laughs> I just wanted to bring a third member of the team, the third band member into the studio for a short while. Who's a happy girl? All right. To the show. To the show. Yes. So everybody has to get a chance to see that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I just think. You know, Oberman is somebody who has spent the better part of what I guess now is about seven years, maybe more, just bitching and complaining about Trump. Well, he wasn't good before that, too. Like, he was a long time. No, but there's this there's this class of liberal, especially one who's in the upper echelon of society. Of course, Oberman is a New Yorker and all the, you know, every stereotype you can think of basically spent the better part of the last several years just talking about how Trump is a Russian agent. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's crazy so talk. ridiculous. And then, of course, when he ends up sticking his nose into stuff like this, that's out of that Russia nonsense, ultra liberal resistance bubble. Then the general public gets to see what this guy's really all about. And they're like, this freaking lunatic? Other than a couple of meaningless elitist talking heads, was there anyone else that was like critical of her? Like, were there any normal, were there any normal people? Um, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. He's not a sociopath. That's nice. Um, what, what was like the general consensus among anybody that who has any sense of, you know, common sense? You know, I would think that regular people would not have been offended by that in the least bit. Yeah, you would think that as well. But I think. He you know, wasn't break- white. He's not white. He's over there. He's not white. He's he's Thurgood Marshall. Who's talking about him? Mario's talking about that picture that used to be behind us. That used oh. to that picture. No, and I'm, he's Thurgood Marshall. He's not white. No, he's he's black. It's and a white well. It's a black and white picture. Yes, but that's you know but, besides the point. Yeah. And so uh, let me see. Um, and I know we had some other fun things we were going to talk about besides that. We have to also talk about another. Another uh, 
indicator of crazy. Well, let's see how long it's going to be before Jordan gets in. Because this is not cool because we would never be sitting here this early. No. We're only sitting here this early because he's coming on. So well, I want to make sure if he's coming on in a moment or not. If he isn't, then I don't want to start another segment, which we could do. But if he says he'll be 10 minutes, let's say. And of course, we are. What? We have a couple of other. We have things to talk about. We do. Uh, obviously, we could talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I cannot with that. Okay, and you know what? I would suggest that everybody check out David Dole. Then I can hear whatever that is you're listening to. Yeah. Um, I would suggest everybody check out David Dole's, um, what he just did a, a critique of. It's It wasn't so much of Marjorie Taylor Greene as much as it is of the 60 Minutes interviewer that didn't hold her accountable for any of her crazy. It's like there is no decent journalism on Main Street. None. Like, this is, like, ridiculous. And so David did a really good job. The Rational National, for people who aren't aware, um, covering this. But this interview is disturbing mostly for that reason. We know what kind of crazy this woman is. She is one of the more ignorant people I've ever seen with a platform of her size. Um, but, But yet the problem is that here she is at 60 Minutes, and they spend time with her at the gym. And watching her do her workout and talk about her CrossFit instead of talking about she is this, 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 and this. Then she brings something up where she could be challenged and they don't challenge her. Yeah, the problem with Marjorie is not Nothing. the fact that she's absolutely, you know, off the deep end. It's the fact that, you know, much like the social media posts we put out, the reason why somebody like Marjorie is as popular as she is is because the economy works for a very slim few. And for the many, she is seen as retribution. She is seen as somebody who, like Trump, is another Molotov cocktail that is going to deliver on basically tearing the system down. They see her as somebody who's so out of control that she's likely to do something so crazy. Like Trump. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When people are given no direction, they're going to follow the loudest voice in the room. And even if that voice is crazy and ignorant, um, she is, you know what, there's times when I hear her and I think, could she really be this ignorant? Because it isn't a matter of stupid or smart. It really isn't. It's just she says things that are just factually incorrect. So she's just unaware. Or is she just such a blatant liar grifter that this is a shtick and she doesn't believe what she's saying? And I, I go back and forth on that. I don't know. But, she, you know, I, I don't think she's unhinged. I think she's calculating. Um, but she's or maybe she's purposefully misinformed. No, I think she's purposely uh, the I, I think she is very calculating. Yeah. I think she's actually very smart. She knows exactly what she's doing. She knows exactly what audiences she needs to play to. But the difference is, is that somebody like her is willing to do the things on her side of the aisle that somebody like AOC is not willing to do on her side of the aisle. Yeah. She's willing to be that difficult person. She's willing before, to be disliked. Yes. Before we bring in Jordan, we're just going to run this very quick clip and I of am the not interview that happened complimenting her. Night. Let me be clear. I'm not complimenting her either. I think, I think she's, she's dangerous. Well- and don't forget, guys, she is in the CUNT club at Generational Change. Oh. Sorry, guys. Peter is still a little wet behind the ears with his ability to do tech all the time. And that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, but. you have to, you guys have to hear this person. Just this part. This, this The part. Democrats are a party of pedophiles. 
I would definitely say so. They support grooming children. They are not pedophiles. Why would you say that? Democrats, Democrats support even Joe Biden, the president himself, supports children being sexualized and having transgender surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children. Wow. Okay. Honestly, do not care one iota what Victor Xi has to say, because he is another young Democrat establishment hack who is paid to basically just champion the blue team and not worry at all about what they do wrong. So those opinions are completely useless. But why would you do a puff piece on Marjorie Taylor Greene? Because that's what that is. It that's did a puff seem piece. like it. I mean, I no, watched no, no, the whole it thing is. last night. She went with her to the gym. Correct. That's a puff piece. Yeah, it's like, like that is not somebody her... that needs that kind of, you know, publicity. Trying to make her <laughs> in, a, in a positive light. But the whole crux of the interview is never addressing the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene, much like our Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, engages in insider trading. She does it too. And she acts like she's Miss Innocent. That's the difference between somebody like her and a representative like Thomas Massey. Somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene wants you to believe that she's not a crooked F. I'm, I'm not going to curse. Let's not demonetize herself I yet. Can't ma- I, we're never making it all the way through the show anyway. I don't think it's possible. But I don't know nevertheless, that, I can. that is not somebody who you would ever be taking advice from or should ever be listening to. However, <sighs> the one thing I will say for those people who don't understand how somebody like Trump is as popular as he is or how somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene is as popular as she is, when the economic system is broken beyond repair at this point, you're going to have people like her that are going to rise through the ranks because she's going to say the types of things that are going to rile people up. Because people are angry and they like to direct it where they feel like they can be effective and you're most effective kicking down. And you can't say that people don't have a right to be angry. Meanwhile, over the course of this interview, they they were able, they took the, the interview was done at her palatial, I would, I would say it's a mansion, like borderline mansion that she lives in on 10, 10 acres of land in northern Georgia. I mean- that's neither here nor there. You know, the fact that that whoever that is, Leslie Stahl, whatever, that was her type of interview. I mean, this is why, you know what, when we were talking about why I was sad about the end of Barbara Walters, Barbara Walters wouldn't have let that go. No, but then again, Barbara Walters probably wouldn't have interviewed her. No, probably not. Because as David Dole said, and again, he did a good segment on this, guys. It's why are we laundering her reputation? She, th- this is not helpful in any way. And again, I don't know whether she's purposefully malicious, purposefully, willfully ignorant. I don't know. But she is just sits there and says things that are ludicrous. And why would you give that a platform? She already has one. She's a congressperson. You don't need to give her a platform. Well, that being said, let's make it happen. You know him from Status Quo News. He is a good friend and also somebody who does real news. Sorry, guys. That's, uh, you know, kind of a touchy subject these days. People calling people so-called journalists. Well, I now am referring to my my representative as my so-called congresswoman. Yeah, well, or so-called public servant because <laughs> she is anything but. So-called. Jordan Sheridan, welcome back to Generational Change. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jordan, what's going on? Just living the newborn father life, trying to keep the engines going at at status quo. Uh, possibly uh, working on a new documentary. And um, still trying to get a book published. So quite a lot going on. 
Well, if you figure out how to get a book published, let me know if you have any good contacts. <laughs> well, I did get I did get an offer from uh, two smaller publishers, but I'm uh, holding out to try and get a, a bigger publisher because the topic is uh, the Flint water cover up, and yeah. uh, you know. Uh, for better or worse, I do want and need uh, a, a bigger name publisher because uh, I might as well self-publish it if I'm going to go with a small publisher. So, so we're we're still talking about Flint, and now with East Palestine, I feel like it's Groundhog Day, and it's the same kind of thing, the same lies, the same bullshit, the same cover up. And to me, the common denominator is, is that so long as any entity that has a political or a for-profit motive, it, until an entity without one of those things is telling you that something is safe or that something is okay or that something is clean, then it isn't. Yeah. It's also Groundhog's Day in terms of, if you think about with Flint, if you remember back, um, they covered it, the media covered it in 2016 for like a week, maybe two weeks. Uh, Rachel Maddow was there, did a town hall, and then immediately they went back to Trump 24-7. And now, seven years later, uh, the media covered, uh, I think they covered East Palestine maybe for a week and a half, two weeks. Um, and now they've abandoned that. And going back to Trump, yeah, you know, he's being indicted, so it's a little bit different. But even before that, they stopped covering East Palestine to kind of do the 2024 horse race and Republicans, you know, DeSantis first Trump and, uh, you know, the calm before the indictment. So it's just a total, uh, very emblematic and a, a real representation of our media chooses uh, to cover things that I think in other countries would be covered for a lot longer and a lot more seriously. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just you don't need to be a chemist or an expert or a journalist to just look at that petrochemical mushroom cloud and realize that doesn't just descend onto the land, uh, frankly, far further than East Palestine. I, I think the media and the government have done a good job of uh, making it seem that it's only affecting this one to two miles. But from the, from the messages I've been getting, I, I think it's affecting a lot further than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the EPA, the state EPA, Norfolk Southern, magically their tests show absolutely nothing wrong, yet residents of all ages are getting nosebleeds, uh, diarrhea, nausea, dizziness. Um, residents have described it as feeling drunk, like you're under the influence when you're in town long enough. Um, chemical bronchitis was diagnosed for a couple of residents I've talked to. Um, chemical burns, you know, they're not really rashes, they're chemical burns. Uh, you know, some residents have shown me pictures and it is, it's awful. Um, and this is not like stuff that was acute for a few days, but then went away. There's residents still having these issues. And um, the residents who have been lucky enough to leave town, whether it be in hotels or Airbnbs or going to stay with family uh, out of town, uh, their symptoms clear up. But as soon as they come back, because you got to <laughs> come back to your house you know, for mail and whatever other, uh, some residents have said, I can't be in my house for longer than 15 minutes because it reeks. And they get the headaches and, and um, burning eyes. Uh, Lewis, who's a reporter with Status Quo and has been there twice already. Uh, the last trip, he was saying he had to leave town one day because he was having such a headache and burning eyes. So that sounds like a really perilous disaster to me if people are still there. 
uh, Bob Bocock, who's Aaron Brockovich's uh, environmental partner, basically told us that they're being recontaminated every day because they're aerating the contaminants out of the water and it's going into the air and then into the soil. So it's it's completely backwards. You know, I don't want to be um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this is not my first rodeo. I do not trust the EPA because I know that yeah. they did really uh, nefarious things in Flint. I know they looked the other way when they knew that the state of Michigan Environmental Department was look, doing nefarious things when it comes to the lead testing. And I see a lot of the same things happening here, obviously different uh, different igniting incident, Flint to East Palestine, but it's, it's basically the same playbook. And uh, in a meeting last week, the EPA kind of let slip that they're making decisions to avoid getting lawsuits from Norfolk Southern. So the EPA is making health decisions and soil removal decisions based on worries about the company that poisoned the community suing them. So it's a hot mess. And um, yeah, we're doing our best to keep it in the news. But unfortunately, us and maybe another outlet or two are, are covering it. Other than that, it's really been relegated to, you know, updates here and there. It's absurd. This town's ruined. Like, I don't think like you can't just clean that. That doesn't just get cleaned like you could just like sweep it away and, and like put it. That doesn't happen. And instead of trying to help as many people as possible with as many resources as possible, we sit there and bicker as if the it's as if we're get, we can't give anybody the benefit of the doubt as if these people are trying to swindle something. They're trying to get they're trying to put one over by wanting something. It's that. It, it's demented. It's demented. We live in a very demented place. Like for me, these people did not want this. This isn't like, you know, I don't, it's crazy that this is treated like somehow the people of this town are just something that we could just placate. Uh, no, they need to be properly repaired as much as possible. This obviously happened just over the weekend. Uh, the Department of Justice uh, is suing Norfolk Southern. Uh, not a surprise. It's usually a financial uh, penalty that has to be paid to some degree over East Palestine derailment. Federal prosecutors want to ensure the railroad pays the full cost of the environmental cleanup rather than actually paying the full cost of repairing the actual train system, which is what needs to happen. Um, but of course, uh, but we wouldn't want to nationalize the railroad. Yeah, that would not be good for the bottom line. No. In the lawsuit unveiled Thursday, federal prosecutors accused the company of unlawfully polluting waterways with oil and hazardous substances from the derailed trains. The DOJ is seeking injunctive relief, cost recovery, and civil penalties to ensure it pays the full cost of the environmental cleanup. It does not accuse Norfolk Southern of negligence. And you know what? I don't need to read anything else from this Politico article. Does not accuse them of any negligence. No, of course not. Then what the hell is the point of it's a, a lawsuit? Sternly, it's a sternly it's a worded, worded letter. letter. <laughs> what else could this possibly be, Jordan? Please, we would love your expertise on this one. Um, I mean, this is the government kind of checking the box to make it look like it's doing something. Um, there's no criminal consequences for Norfolk Southern. There is a Department of Justice. You could do an investigation to see what warning signs were ignored by who? in Norfolk Southern, because there were a lot of warning signs uh, ignored. Um, there seems to me that there's questions on Norfolk Southern's claims that it was the small town fire chief who decided to control burn these cars, which defies just logic. Uh, I don't believe 
a small town fire chief made the decision. Uh, I know that Norfolk Southern, as well as the uh, owner of the chemicals that were on the cars, were in the room uh, during these decision making. So you would think uh, the company who owns the chemicals might have, you know, a say in what happens because you want to know what happens when you burn certain chemicals together and they combust, what other chemicals might be produced. Um, but I think this is just the DOJ trying to make it seem that they're going for justice. But frankly, um, that's not going to help people now in East Palestine. These things last, they could take for over a decade until there's any money for the residents. And by that point, you got cancers. People, unfortunately, are probably already going to die. Um, and when it's all tallied up, I'd be surprised if residents get what they really should get. Um, in a normal country, we'd be immediately providing expanded health care for these residents. We don't have that. They have some sham medical. It's not even a medical clinic. It's it's a go fund me. No, it's it's a place that residents can go to get screened and then get referrals to other doctors. So it's just referrals to your private doctor, but you're still going to be paying for it through copays and you know, all the, all the rest of the rigmarole in the private healthcare industry. Uh, they're not getting like, at least with Flint, they had to fight for it, but they got expanded Medicaid for a bit. That was only for people under 21. So if you're an adult in Flint, you were fucked. Screwed. Um, but important news, very important news. We're cutting Medicaid just came out now, where, right? where, uh, Look, I mean, President Biden said that not only would he not sign a Medicare for all bill, he'd veto it if it actually got to his desk. And he promised nothing would fundamentally change. Well, actually, something did fundamentally change. 15 million people were just thrown off of Medicaid this uh, today. So, I, you know, he's, he's doing stuff. It's going to be a gradual thing, but that's what the number it'll get to after like a period of time. Like different states are phasing out at different points. So for the people that are suffering in East Palestine, it doesn't look like they're going to be getting I just, much help. We're not talking about Isn't that ironic? Isn't that ironic and interesting that Democrats message uh, that Republicans are depriving you uh, in Florida and other places of Medicaid uh, through Republican governors not signing on to the Obamacare Medicaid expansion, mm-hmm. which, by the way, Obamacare is a boondoggle for the private health right, insurance industry. Right. I'm tired but, of hearing how good that is. But but the, the, the Democrats are now doing the same thing by depriving or taking Medicaid away from people. So if you're not if Republicans are depriving you of a Medicaid expansion through Obamacare, bad you know, bums, and they are, that's bad, but the Democrats are now doing that. And it's just like, well, this was supposed to be temporary. Yeah, because the private health insurance industry doesn't want to pay for it or the government, whatever, whoever's paying for it, they don't want to pay for it. And uh, yeah, the Democrats just seem allergic to doing things that are popular and keeping those provisions in place. Well, because it's not profitable. And here's another instance where if Bernie were president, there, I'm not saying that we would just automatically have had like Medicare for all, but there is absolutely no way that he wouldn't have taken advantage of the pandemic to get that in. And then once you have it in, it would have been much harder to get rid of it. I do think that. I do think he would have done. And there's no way he'd be sitting there talking about pulling it back when you put out. Just something as simple as the. Well, I also don't think Bernie would be allowing, you know, the bullshit stuff that has gone on with the CDC, with their bullshit mapping and their right. change, their changes of where. If like independent people do it, like it's a sea of red on the map. But when the CDC does it, like, oh, everything's fine. COVID's not a thing anymore. So you probably have a longer period of the technical emergency, which would then keep the funding for the healthcare. 
And you also cannot underestimate the fact that there is a clause in the Social Security Act that allows for Medicare for all in parts of the country that have been completely contaminated and would be considered a natural disaster, you know, any type of a disaster, a a health disaster, a a crisis. East Palestine, Flint, Michigan, Jackson, Mississippi, these places qualify for universal health care. I know. Honestly, honestly, Peter, most of the industrial Midwest would qualify because it's all contaminated. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, uh, you know, you have East St. Louis, you have uh, Memphis. I mean, there's places all over this country. All you have to do is put over that the the map over the country with the infrared as to where the highest cancer diagnoses are. Because I'm going to tell you what it is. It actually trails down the Mississippi. Yeah. And what's what's interesting when you come out in places like Baton Rouge, like they have, I think, like the highest per capita, the stretch of land between New Orleans and Baton Rouge is horrible. And it makes sense. That's like the butthole. Of the, everything washes down through the Mississippi. But all those places are so toxified. Those places all would easily be should qualify to have. We should all qualify, though. How much longer do you think they're going to be able to get away with a, with just allowing this country to just get systemically destroyed left and right? Everything is just going completely to hell where you're going to have places. You know, again, we have the problem here in Florida where, you know, if you think you're getting any type of reasonable insurance rates anymore, it's not happening. Like you're just going to have to accept the fact no matter how many ways to Sunday you try to deny climate change, that we have a sea level rise crisis in the state and the affordability along with contaminated water and the ability to live healthy lives, as if that wasn't a problem to begin with, is now just getting worse, as it will be in a lot of other parts of the country. How much longer can people ignore these systemic problems before this country literally starts, you know, losing their mind and you know, we think what happened in Nashville is an anomaly or these shootings are an anomaly. This country is breaking apart and people just don't care anymore. Let's talk about the storms that I don't see enough coverage about. Like, are you I mean, are you guys covering that? I, I In all fairness, I haven't been like digging to find it, but I haven't really been seeing like stuff on it specifically. But I mean, we're talking a pretty high death toll over a period of I don't know how many days in states. And I lived in Indiana for a while. And I remember the tornado sirens going off. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. And it's horrifying even if there's no tornado that touches down near you, just the thought that it might. So do you know, like, what's going on with that, Jordan? Like, because I'm sure they're not going to get the help that they need. No. Uh, From what I could tell, I mean, I haven't been able to cover it that extensively because I'm working on seven things at the time. Uh, From what I could tell, uh, there's... Like there is, uh, you know, more storms. There's more tornadoes now. Some of them are going through places that generally don't have such severe tornadoes. So you got to wonder about that with uh, the climate crisis. And yeah, I mean, the federal government is giving, um, you know, with these tornadoes, hurricanes, you get a federal disaster declaration. Uh, I think the law is ridiculous because in East Palestine, for example, in Flint, you don't get a disaster declaration. A disaster declaration means FEMA comes in full bore. The Army Corps could come in. You get a lot more funding uh, than just a state of emergency. Uh, But as far as I could tell, uh, these folks uh, that are uh, the high death count and this and that, it's going to be the same thing we're dealing with in other places. They're going to have to go through a bureaucratic maze uh, to for their houses to be rebuilt, um, their communities to be rebuilt. Uh, because that's what the neoliberal system is. It's not just straight point A to B. You got to go through a lot of different uh, bureaucratic uh, mechanisms 
to be made whole. Uh, but I agree, uh, other than the initial coverage, because it's, you know, alarming pictures and video, yeah. uh, they're not covering that. Right. That they like the shock value. I mean, look, if it bleeds, it leads. We know this. Like, they like mm -hmm. that. But the the concept that's more scary, the d more damaging aspect of all of this, and anybody post-Katrina would, would know this, it's the aftermath. Because, you know, yeah, the storm's scary and X amount of people died. But now we're talking about how many families are going to basically have their lives completely inside out. Who knows what happens with their employment or whatever. And that goes on for, it could be generations because when we saw it with Hurricane Andrew down here, the people that get hit the hardest, they don't have insurance. They don't right. have, they don't have things that where they ever really get made whole. So this is one of those things that affects generational wealth. Like this is a major thing that does, and nobody ever talks about that. And there is no safety net for these communities. And I mean, post Katrina was, you know, one example and granted, you know, Brownie didn't do such a good job, but I feel like it's really kind of par for the course. Well, that's the price of doing business in America. If you're in the wrong place at the wrong time or the wrong community at the wrong time and a railroad blows up or a tornado or the, your water gets poisoned, whatever the case may be. Yeah. We'll do a couple half measures, some band-aids, a lot of marketing and PR to make it seem like it's been that really generous, but you're kind of SOL uh, at its generational trauma, uh, yeah. whatever the case may be, tornadoes, um, the railroad in East Palestine, because uh, kids are forever damaged, which then damages, you know, uh, the next generation. Um, but no, I mean, the media is failing in all this and it, it just, it kind of sickens me because it keeps, it's very cyclical and, Essentially, you have a media system that exists to basically just normalize all this. Same thing with the mass shootings. Yeah. Uh, by leading and continually covering and hammering um, the horse race and elections and it's all and, and you know who's up and who's down. And, um, you know, I think the growing threat of fascism should be covered, but I think CNN, all these places have enough resources to stay out of East Palestine to stay on um, these tornadoes, uh, to stay on, I mean, hell, Flint, it's nine years this month yeah. and it's still a fucking disaster. And I'm seeing it from the residents I talk to. They feel abandoned uh, by the media. They're very grateful that we're still covering uh, East Palestine, yeah. but they feel abandoned for the media. And when communities are forgotten, it breeds dissent and it either makes people pull away from the political process or move towards extremist elements because East Palestine, for example, not only was Trump on the ground, Steve Bannon did a show from East Palestine. Of course. And right-wingers are kind of jumping in there. Well, uh, we, made it, we made it very clear yeah. that Trump gave the Dems an opening. He said, I'm going to East Palestine. He gave them five days. Five days. They had an opportunity to get somebody of note out there. And, and it would they still look lame because they still were. And here's the thing. But this is exactly what we were talking about before as to why people follow somebody like a Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's the type of people that are just totally at a loss for how they are supposed to live their lives. And somebody comes along with the snake oil and they're going to buy it. And I just I think it's I mean, we see this historically over and over and over again. Um, and it's unfortunate that it's like the left doesn't really care. And the right's just going to go in for the kill and take advantage. So it's, you know, and when I say left, I mean, our electoral process left. Yes. It's not really the left, but. And that is something that is very important because, you know, right now we're seeing obviously how effective the protests have been in France, but you compare it to the way things are here in the States, 
I mean, what do you think would help generate more of this sort of like I'm in it now? You know, this this is a this is a class war that we're in right now. And our good friend, Nina Turner, Viva la who we communicated with not too long ago, you know, the most successful clip that we have put up on our channel was a clip that we did of her and Joy Behar. And the amount of positive <laughs> comments that came in as a resp- as a result for her response that she gave on CNN. And keep in mind, she hasn't been on CNN since that response. What a surprise. Uh, It'll be a basically while. saying that, yeah, this is a class war. The people in East Palestine, even if they voted for Trump, are just as important as the people in Flint, Michigan and Jackson, Mississippi. And the idea that this is even a debate. <laughs> I mean, we have gotten thousands of messages, thousands of people who are probably as MAGA Republican as they can get saying, man, that Nina Turner really is something. I really appreciate her putting it that way. It makes, I I can definitely understand where she's coming from instead of just telling us how terrible we are for voting for Trump. And she reiterated that point today when she went on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne, just basically saying the same thing, that we're going to keep pointing the finger at each other saying that it's a red versus blue thing. It's not. This is a, the very mega rich and powerful controlling everything around us. As if a train couldn't derail in a blue location. Like if anybody you thinks, stupid yeah, bitch. like if anybody <laughs> thinks that the reason that East Palestine uh, is suffering right now is Donald Trump and not Norfolk Southern, like you're just not paying attention. That's not to say that well, Trump isn't bad or all of them are not bad. But let's, let's let's not forget the minor detail that the Democratic president blocked a railroad strike yeah, at the end exactly. of last year. Right. And I'm not, you know, I'm not God. Who knows? I don't think it would have necessarily stopped it. But one of the major things that they wanted to go on strike about was the 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 bad trend of doing far more with less, uh, hollowing out the workforce by 30 percent over the last decade, that they're running train cars that run for two to three miles with two workers on the train that they are running rail car trains that some of the some of the trains have not been upgraded or their brake systems changed since the Civil War era. And this is one of the major things that they wanted to go on strike for. And Biden, a fake ally of the unions, it makes me sick that the AFL, AFL-CIO, which has a lot of corruption it's problems, so uh, that they host Biden for speeches and this myth of Biden, the friend of the union. Like um, but Biden blocked these workers from going on strike. So you can't do a connect. A, a, a straight line to what happened, but certainly is connected. Um, and then you have, basically we have lawmakers we've talked to. Uh, one state rep said her dealings with Norfolk Southern, she's a state rep in Pennsylvania. She said, oh, they've controlled the government for 200 years. And by the way, I always say, don't always look for the direct line. So for example, with the fossil fuel Companies. It's not always the direct donations politicians get from oil companies because Republicans get more direct donations from the oil companies than Democrats. Who is the largest investor in the fossil fuel industry? Wall Street. Who is heavily invested in the rail industry? Wall Street. Who is the largest owner of the of the railroad in America? No, Warren Buffett. Who gets a lot of money from Warren Buffett? Democratic Party. Party. So it's all one incestuous cesspool. And what? You know, 
He points at me when you say incestuous cesspool. I'm not because exactly Because the basically said the same thing many a times before. It's like this idea that Wasserman Schultz does not take, you know, she was so adamant about how I would never take any money from the NRA. She doesn't take NRA money. And it's like, who cares? You take money from every other major corporate corrupt industry. So you might as well take money from them anyway. Right. It's it doesn't matter same. who. You're not, you're not. It's it's you're not doing anything that is making. you. I think on Peter's uh, headstone in 60 years, it's going to say Debbie said that that that. Yeah. Um, Well, but she is. It's interesting because so many things that we talk about national, it's we see it as such a microcosm here in Broward locally with her being sort of like the ringleader. When you talk, I I heard I heard Debbie Watson Schultz's district has changed a bit. So that's it. It has changed quite a bit. But. You know, she feels the need to interject herself locally in ways that no other congressperson does. Um, it, it's really very, it's very telling. Oh, right. Debbie's just the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, Taibbi came on the podcast right after and probably wasn't, I mean, he he knew that Jen ran against her, but this was like his opportunity to basically just like come on and, you know, kind of just like let it all hang out. And sure enough, we got our most popular clip we've done since we started the show. And it basically was all about the fact that Debbie is the biggest in the year of 2022, which just concluded. Not many people know, but Debbie is the number one insider trader in the Democratic Party because Unusual Whales, as you know, puts out all this wonderful information about how our congressional representatives like she to She was trade number stocks. two overall. Number two overall. This one guy, uh, I think Fallon was his name. He's on the GOP side. But it's like, Debbie's all the way up there in the blue, and then you got like several red, and you're thinking, well, what's the difference? doesn't matter. But she doesn't take NRA money, Jordan. So that should make everybody feel better. Yeah. And as we said, even if you have issue with what Taibbi did with his, you know, doing what he did with Musk, could you pick anybody but Debbie Wasserman Schultz (laughs) to basically share your benevolence about how this is such a bad thing? It's like- She's talking about ethics. Yeah. Ethics. (sighs) You know, speaking of ethics, and I know you have a limited amount of time. It's, you know, you got baby duty, you got all those wonderful things. So we're going to do one more story. Obviously, I'm sure you know what it is. We know what tomorrow is. Tomorrow's the big day. Oh, please tell me. Please tell me you're doing a running live stream as Trump. Uh, I probably should, shouldn't I? Uh, Actually, I should probably just bring him on now as we talk about our wonderful story. All right. Uh, Because I think, is this the best story? NBC always does like these, like really, okay. Uh, I think I just saw something that was a Lindsey Graham quote and I found myself agreeing with it. Yeah, but it looked like something I agree with. That's like. Where? What'd you see? It, it said something about Lindsey Graham says that a Trump indictment will li- likely make him the GOP nominee. I saw something uh, like that. Yeah, it's somewhere. probably like that here. Okay, so anyway, uh, I'm like, yeah. That's what I told uh, Peter this when he was trying to tell me Ron DeSantis had a chance, but well, yeah. I didn't. I mean, look, no, did and we he really still think that does. this was potentially. He still does. I mean, it's still a year out, but I would definitely say that in accordance with what they're planning to do now, and I do believe that a lot of this is intentional, that by indicting Trump, you're basically handing him, you know, like a firecracker that he hasn't had since 2016, He loves the media. Well, like, it's it's free media and it's constant and it's what he had last time. Like it works. It real, And nobody cares that it's negative. I just got back to New York and I have to tell you, the people of New York, they're really great people. It's great to be back at Trump Tower. I know you're going to be covering my story tomorrow, but I just want to let everybody know I'm going to be fine. They're not going to do anything rash. I totally have this under control. You look like a rash. Look, I no. Listen, I look tri- I look really great. What are you talking about? 
You know how I know I look great? No. Because the polls look great. The polls look incredible. Ron DeMeeple Sanctimony is totally <laughs> losing it right now. He has no opportunity. He'd be a total fool to get in this race, believe me when I tell you. I totally am going to win the nomination, and Sleepy Joe will be put out to pasture, and we will make America great again. Again. In 24 we're coming back. You know we're coming back. Here's, we totally agree great. that Sleepy Joe is going out to pasture. That we agree on. No, and he's totally destroying this country from the inside. Yeah, because you, know, totally, you did such a No, because I did a really great job. I said that I would never cut Medicare or Medicaid or any of those other wars. You didn't start programs. any wars. I'll no, give you that. No, that's true, but I totally have a wonderful drone program. So we only kill the bad people, not the innocent people. I still people. think Obama takes the record on the drone kills. Obama is a really terrible person. He kept saying that I was a bad president. <laughs> Believe me when I tell Obama. you, he's not. <laughs> He's never experienced what I've experienced. I am oh, yeah. a really, really oppressed individual. Obama could never, ever claim he's gone through what I've gone through. Okay. I'm a totally, totally oppressed and, person. And so are, we, are you going to talk about this indictment and are you going to... This is a totally phony, terrible indictment. I would never stoop to the level of actually getting in bed with that trashy star of porn, Sormy, sloppy Daniel. She's a really terrible If person. only I could run She's a slideshow of all the women that you've hooked up with. I have really great taste <laughs> in women, believe me. Much better than Mr. Clinton's, I must say. Well, that you is got, true. No, I totally do. And believe me, I can do so much better than Stormy. She just couldn't handle rejection. So she, now she's suing me. What a terrible person. Am I right, Jordan? Tell me I'm right. I'm totally right about this. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not... Hey, I, I just think it's good practice. Nobody in the media would care uh, to follow this, but nobody knows what's actually in the indictment. So I don't, there might be stuff in there that we're actually surprised by. Um, assuming it's what we think it is, which is just, you know, Trump did some uh, shady accounting to uh, hide payoffs to multiple women, not just Stormy Daniels. Um, you know, I, I think it's... Uh, I I'm okay with it only because I think uh, a a lesser person uh, would be charged uh, if he, you know, used campaign funds or things like that. Uh, to me, I don't really focus on this case as much because it's small ball compared to what I actually think potentially he could be convicted for, which a lot of people don't believe Donald Trump could be convicted. I think he would off himself before going to jail, but I actually think Donald Trump, could be convicted over the classified documents case. Uh, there was more information that came out about that over the weekend, but kind of got swept under the rug with this. There was like interference, right? I saw something about that, that there was an interference at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, basically Trump himself going through the boxes. Donald himself going through the boxes after being subpoenaed and kind of sorting through, taking some stuff out, <laughs> keeping, moving, because in American history, uh, we know that if you piss off the CIA, if you piss off the FBI, uh, you piss off the generals, uh, they hold a grudge and yeah. it could be fatal. And I think the fact that by all accounts, because the DOJ has been leaking stuff to the New York Times, the Washington Post, he had documents about nuclear programs. He had documents about human sources, i.e. spies. And there was an increase in the deaths of spies abroad uh, in this same period. Uh, I, To me, that's a pretty cut and dry case. I don't know what Trump's defense can be because you can't you can't like wave a wand and say it's privileged when I haven't been president for a year. Um, but on this tomorrow, it absolutely uh, martyrs him. Um, it absolutely, um, you know, 
will will jack his uh, approval ratings and polling better. It seems that Trump, uh, excuse me, DeSantis in a controlled environment where he controls the media in Florida uh, does very well and uses his bully pulpit. But outside of that, he's afraid to punch Trump in the face, which is the only way you're going to beat Trump. He's afraid to even mention Donald Trump by name because he's deathly afraid of losing Trump's base. But you're going to have to take Trump's base. And the only way you could do that is by being as as aggressive, as fierce, as over the top and as charismatic as Trump, because that's what they're going for. It's the WWF aspect of it. I think he's hoping that they'll find a way to keep him from running. And again, he still hasn't even announced that he's in the race. Believe me when I tell you, I can run from anywhere. I'll run from the cops. I'll run in jail. I'll run all the way to the White House. Hillary's running too, running to Columbia. The fact that Columbia hired that really terrible person. Hillary can only get hired by a crooked university. The system's broken. You mean like Trump University? That's a really great university. It was just totally misunderstood. (laughs) But believe me when I tell you, we are coming back. We're making America great again. Again. In 24. See you at the news. uh, I Uh, mean, the... Prescott, I mean, the the indictment tomorrow, whatever you want to call it. Great to see you all. But the interesting thing, Donald, is it's possible that a judge issues a gag order on him tomorrow to not talk about this. And he's already set up this press conference at Mar-a-Lago at night. So I think Trump, listen, he's kind of trying to make up for lost time being banned from Twitter, even though technically he's allowed back on Twitter now. So he's just trying to suck in that media attention. I think he loves this martyrdom aspect of it all. And I think he's I think he's trying to set the table that this is a political witch hunt like everything else. So that like the real heavy cases like classified documents, if he's arrested, if he's charged for the Georgia stuff with the election, then it's just continuing that bubble of this is all the deep state and Soros and, you know, (laughs) nonsense. But um, yeah, it should be interesting because um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be leading a little pep rally in the city tomorrow. I think, I believe there should be a a, a good flock of Trump people out there. Hopefully it stays, you know, peaceful and and not violent. But yeah, it it will be, it it definitely will be popcorn worthy. Yeah. I mean, let's just say, by the way, how dramatically things change over uh, 20 something years. I mean, the Republican Party wanted to impeach Bill Clinton over a blowjob. There was plenty of things to impeach Bill Clinton on legitimately. That I don't think was one of them. Um, But now it's like, oh, it's just an accounting thing, paying off the porn star. (laughs) You know, who cares? You know, again, it's like the violation of the Emoluments Clause. It's the most obvious crime that he committed as president. He's had, you know, he was impeached twice. You know, like it's not like he wasn't impeached. It's just that doesn't mean anything because it doesn't mean anything. You know, you can argue that basically Joe Biden has had Hunter do ostensibly the same thing that Trump has been having Jared Kushner do for the past several years, which is just act act as a proxy for these illicit deals that they do. Which basically means that every there, uh, there's a reason why those cases never get tried. Because that is the rod of the system. Jared Kushner is a whole hell of a lot smarter than Hunter he Biden. He certainly is. And it, it, Jared Kushner's father went to federal prison for very similar crimes. So the fact that they've been able to get away with this is crazy. We'll just touch on real quick what to know about Trump's indictment. Former President Donald Trump is expected to be arraigned on about 30 charges in New York tomorrow. The indictment remains sealed, so the exact charges are still unknown. They're expected to be related to hush money payments made ahead of the 2016 election to two women who claim to have had affairs with Trump. 
He has denied the affairs and any wrongdoing. Trump was indicted last week by a Manhattan grand jury convened by District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Trump is the first former president to have been impeached twice and the first to be criminally indicted. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia plans to host a protest with Trump supporters in New York at 1030 tomorrow morning. So there you go. Um, Look, I I think when people do things that are wrong, they should be held accountable. I do. I think that. But there's things that we all sort of rank in our head from bad to worse, you know, like in terms of what is more reprehensible. And to me, they always go after people for things that I personally, I don't give a shit. Like there are so many horrible things that are going on that that are happening, like war crimes and and people drinking toxic water and things that are really like that's the stuff I care about. And the corruption surrounding those things, because that's what affects regular people or killing regular people in places like Yemen or whatever that I care about. The porn star being paid off by his camp doesn't even register as remotely important to me. So I get it. You got to go after him because it's illegal. But I just it's infuriating when you think about the past four administrations. Well, it really comes down to there might be something in there that we don't know. Uh, that, that could be beyond Stormy Daniels. Donald Trump, I mean, Peter, you're from the Northeast. You got 40 years of Donald Trump and his father Absolutely. committing crimes. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if there's something more recent in there. Uh, it, it, and by the way, the Southern District was communicating with a New York Attorney General Letitia James, and they were kind of oh. working together. So there might be more than we know, and it might be not to go in the weeds, but essentially the district attorney that was leaving um, didn't want to charge Trump and Bragg, the current one, when he came in, there was pressure on him to charge Trump. And he said and he chose not to for a while. And I think it's because he felt just on Stormy Daniels wasn't enough. So I think they worked. Uh, I could be wrong and it, it might I just hope, be. I hope but I think there's going to be more in there. I don't think it rises to the level of jacking, you know, the nuclear codes or (laughs) nuclear documents from the White House. Um, But I also think at the end of the day, we need to start stop normalizing corruption. So even if it's a mundane run of the mill violation, uh, politicians shouldn't get special preferences. And I think we need to retroactively go back after this. And and George W. and Dick and uh, Obama and Joe and Hillary, because I would have been in jail if I had a private server as a government official and was emailing. Oh. I mean, Hillary Clinton committed she, some of the most egregious, egregious crimes. <laughs> and, you know, the first day that she teaches uh, there, you should cover that because there probably will be protesting going on outside of oh uh, Columbia University. Uh, She's teaching when people policy. were thinking about whether or not you're really inside. Yeah, Trump is part of the elite class, but he's not in the club, if you will. He's not part of the the, the he doesn't know because he's uncouth. Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not sophisticated. He's no, not, you know, he's he, Rodney Dangerfield and back to school. Hey, you know, what are you talking about? Here? <laughs> you know. Well, he was in the club until he decided to market himself as a populist outsider. Right, uh, right, right. I mean, he re- remember the pictures, him, Bill, Hillary at the uh, wedding. Uh, that never happened. You can't even prove it. Yeah, you were on the island, Bill. No, you were totally on the island, but I wasn't on that island. Only you. I don't know if boy. Trump is on the island, but Bill was definitely. There's no way he was on that. Whatever that the way. activity is that they were up to, it is clearly activity that uh, are for people that are not part of normal society that can't. You know the the rules. Oh, are there's normal. There's there's pedophiles in normal society. And that's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is is that there are laws for thee and not for ye, and so that unfortunately is a byproduct of what we're living through. Unless you have dirt on the Clintons, and then you get Arkansas. I think you should stop saying that. 
and it's just not good for you. I think it's fine for me. No, it's not. We could agree to disagree. But nevertheless, you have all of these lingering issues that are now going to come to the surface like, well, if Trump is going to be prosecuted for this, why aren't the Clintons prosecuted for things that they've done? Why is George W. Bush not prosecuted for the obvious war crimes that he and Dick Cheney did? What about Obama's drones? Like, I mean, there's some crazy stuff that's gone on here. I'm sure George H.W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, all, I mean, listen. Senior was the probably one of the least offensive yeah, ones. There are, there's, there's, especially since Clinton, there has been such a litany of crimes that, that, that has been committed in the White House that they're just willing to cast Major aside as, a ma- as, as just a means of doing business, which is just unacceptable. So when somebody like Wasserman Schultz does her thing with Matt Taibbi, when Nancy Pelosi comes out and says, justice will be done with Donald Trump, it's like <sighs> all of these people need to be brought to justice. I am totally fine with Trump being prosecuted. But if you're going to prosecute him, you've got to get them all. I think you, it should oh, get Nancy on. I mean, Nancy's done more in, insider trading than most Wall Street people. Yeah. So, yeah. She's smart about it, though. She doesn't do it in her name the same. Debbie's pretty brazen. It's very interesting. Yeah. You know, Nancy Pelosi, I, it's like, I think every, who knows what kind of shells they use and what they do. I don't know. But she does. She's definitely not as brazen. The GOP uh, U.S. Senator from North Carolina's name. I, I mean, I don't even think he's in office anymore, but he was literally caught red handed. Uh, Richard you know, Burr. Yeah. Burr d- dumping stock prior to the pandemic uh, fully kicking in because he knew that he was fully invested in certain companies that were going to take a massive stock hit. And of course, that's inside information. Same with the lady who was basically given that Senate seat in Georgia, and she ultimately lost it to Ossoff. And, you know, it, at some point, you have to say that this, or, or was it, or, or um, no, she uh, she was the lady that, um, what's this, uh, the other senator's name in Georgia? Uh, Warnock, that Warnock was able to beat. Uh, but that type of stuff is it's it's got to die. Like enough people have, are are through with this as they should be. So maybe Trump's prosecution in a way is a good thing because it's ultimately going to open up the floodgates because enough people are now going to have a tit for tat type of thing saying, all right, fine. You want to prosecute Trump? Fine. But we're going to we're we are going to bring charges against Hillary Clinton. This like, is why I do this is why I've always been suspect when they've threatened to go after him criminally as to how far it will actually go. Because that's always been the case. This is why Obama didn't go after W. This is why Trump didn't go after Obama. This is the game because they know that once you start peeling that back, it just goes all the way. And so this is why I've always been skeptical and remains to be seen. We'll see what happens tomorrow, how this unfolds. But my prediction based on my life experience is that it ultimately ends up nowhere real with no real consequences. I mean, there could be on paper financial consequences like that, but nothing really. And all it will do will be boost him and his name and martyr him. And that's what they're going to end up with because I don't think that they're going to really do it because of what you were just saying. And that's always been what's held them up. That's why they haven't ever done it before. Because why wouldn't Obama go after W for war crimes? The fact that it's gotten Why? to this, the fact that it's gotten to this point, though, they're very close to the point of no return, and maybe that's a good thing. You know, you all, we always heard from Michael Moore saying that Trump is the human Molotov cocktail that people have been waiting for, and he's going to do it. Th- if people thought that he was a wild card in 2015 and 2016, now all bets are off. Especially if he has any shot at getting back in there again. I mean, 
He has an ax to grind and he has zero Fs to give at this point. Which how many people in the country relate to that? A lot more than those who don't. But that, and that's the thing. And then you see this sort of sanctimonious, elitist sort of, you know, Democrat type of, of perspective. And people are so turned off by that, that, yeah, they're ready to just, that's it. Just, that's it. We're going down with the and ship. The more, We're going to pull off that bandaid. And the more that we witness Biden basically proving that neoliberalism is the bane of our existence and almost everything he does is not not good, not bad. It's terrible. He, he it's basically terrible. screwed labor and the environment within the past two months. And when you see these people coming out, I mean, listen, we've talked about this. We don't even have to talk about her. But seeing people lose their ish just by the thought of him being primaried by somebody who has no financial, serious financial power. Just the idea of him even being challenged Ugh. is throwing these people into a complete tizzy. And yet he hasn't announced he's rerun he's running again. And apparently he delayed it again. I, honestly, at this point, the Democrats get what they deserve in the fact that people are not willing to step up to this president. I don't know what the hell they're afraid of. Let's just end on that note, Jordan. I'd really like to get your thought on why do you think people are so afraid to challenge the power structure within the Democratic Party? What are they so afraid of? Um, they are afraid of their, uh, basically cocktail crowd, uh, invitation being taken away, uh, for the next 10 years. Uh, they're afraid of, uh, losing their career prospects, uh, because it's one big club and they're not in it. If you go against Biden, uh, hell, Nita Turner, ask her what happened when she switched. She didn't officially endorse Hillary Clinton, but when she kind of reneged on endorsing Hillary Clinton in 2015 uh, to switching to Bernie Sanders. I mean, Nina Turner, if she would have been a good little soldier, uh, she could have become a congressperson from Ohio, uh, possibly greater. Uh, if she would have stayed in that kind of establishment lane, supported Hillary Clinton in Ohio. Uh, so people are afraid to because the machine is so big, both on the Democratic and Republican side, and it's all the ornaments on the tree, Wall Street, Big Pharma, this and that, that you're up against a hundred Goliaths, you know. Um, but Bernie showed you and some others have shown you that there's more of us than them. It's <clears> just uh, there has been very few people that are willing to go all the way. Uh, whatever you think of Marianne Williams's chances, I think it's a good thing that she's somebody's challenging Biden. I hope more people do. Because uh, I think Marion, if she gets on a debate stage with Biden, I think it would be very illuminating to show the difference uh, between an old uh, out out to pasture, uh, frankly, Republican. Um, they're I don't never agree. letting that happen. That's yeah, never no. going to happen. I don't think so. But look, they're they're throwing their hair, hands ecstatic that like Asa Hutchinson has jumped into the Republican primary and uh, saying Chris Christie might. But Mary, Marianne Williamson just broke 10%. It's not nothing. I, I don't no, think she's going to win, but 10% is not nothing on a poll and barely I, I any media coverage of it. Right. I think if Marianne got to 25% by July, August, I could see the argument being made for somebody else getting in and somebody else might get in. Uh, the only person that I've seen to this point that would have the ability to really create any type of momentum is because he's good on the stump and he's worth 
billions of dollars is uh, Governor Pritzker in Illinois. Uh, everybody else who's out there is a complete disaster, starting with Kamala, next being Pete. Ugh. And don't even get me started on Gavin Newsom. I Gruesome mean, Newsom. You know, the, the, but those, <clears throat> of course, are the choices, along with maybe an Amy Klobuchar again, Ugh. that they're going to try to shove down. It really doesn't throats. matter. It really but doesn't it does. matter. Don't sleep. Don't sleep on uh, Mark Cuban as I an independent. Okay, you just you just oh, got okay. Jen excited. Me explain. I can't. I I, I got to go for go my ahead, kid, but uh, I do think I do think there's a chance Mark Cuban jumps in as an independent if it's Biden Trump, and I think enough people might be seduced by like the competent, not lunatic billionaire. I think I would be actually for all the people that have been trashing Andrew Yang. Just remember, he's the one person who may have an infrastructure to get. Act, ballot access to 50 states and somebody like a Mark Cuban or even, dare I say, a Jesse Ventura would be willing to run on that ticket. And let yep. me tell you, there'd be a hell of a lot of interest. Just the fact that you'd be able to vote for a legitimate Third candidate outside yeah, of the two-party system, well. there would be a lot of interest in now that. Now there would. A lot. Absolutely. So how can people find you? I know that's a silly question. As Everybody's always, but, Jordan. He's on Status Coup News. You should be a member. Uh, status Coup, uh, C-O-U-P. On YouTube, uh, they finally kind of took the knee off us for a little bit. Uh, so uh, fortunately, we've grown the last month or two uh, at Status Coup on Twitter. And uh, if you want to support our on the ground reporting, uh, we're going back to East Palestine later this month. I'm going back to Flint. It's now nine years uh, we're turning that anniversary. I'm also going to go to Kalamazoo, Michigan, which ha is being poisoned uh, out of a paper mill that is emitting toxic gas and people are dying in Kalamazoo. Uh, the poor Poor black part of Kalamazoo, of course, of course. But now it's actually shifting to the white neighborhoods. So now all of a sudden uh -oh. people care. Uh -oh. uh, so support our reporting at statuscoup.com slash join. And uh, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks for coming, Jordan. If you ever need Mr. Trump to make an appearance on the podcast, you know, just let me know. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, I, you know. Mark Cuban to me is definitely an anomaly. And you, you know, and I, I have thoughts on that. You guys like know that I just need just a few minutes of his time. And then, although if he's running for president, that's less likely. But um, when you had sent me that post from Andrew, was it, is that That's real? a joke. <clears throat> no, it was okay. April so Fool's was and April I didn't Fools. realize that's my fault. And even, I have never had on April Fool's, but for some reason that one got me. Okay, I don't know so, why. okay, so that was April Fool's. But um, yeah, you know, the Mark Cuban thing would be, pretty good. I could get with that. Yeah. I really could. I could get with that. And I would definitely get with that over uh, Trump or Joe. And that's just a fact. Well, I think a lot of people are looking for something. This is, it's not going to be like every other election. People are not just going to, well, forget Biden. I mean, people are not just no. going to fall in line. They are definitely, yes, we definitely share that sentiment, Carla. Uh, the best we're going to get at this point, people, is a benevolent oligarch. Yeah, that's kind of what you should be I, I mean, probably hoping for. But I will say point. this is something why I really like him or seemingly. I mean, I don't know him personally, so this is always just based on what I've seen. But he does seem to value things other than just profit. Um, he does seem to have priorities that are not just profit. And so that is, I find, amongst his peers, fairly unusual. Um, and his philanthropy isn't seemingly bogus and silly to me. It's seemingly coming from a real place. And I also think that has to do with where he does come from, but you know, he's self-made. 
He is. And and I think he was that in the right place at the right time. Whatever it is. And again, I'm not saying anybody's entitled to that amount of money because I don't think that. But it's different than somebody being born with a silver spoon in their mouth and having it handed to them. And I just think his perspective is, I don't know, different for people in that in that level of wealth. I do. And I think it's very easy for him not to, you know, to again, he's at a level of such influence and such power that he doesn't have to care. No. And he chooses to which is very powerful considering, and I don't know how much of an influence this actually is on him, but he happens to share a stage with one of the worst capitalists this country has. And that of course is Kevin O'Leary. Who says some of these, well, Kevin O'Leary wishes he was that wealthy, but he espouses the type of talking points that the likes of a Jeff Bezos or a Warren Buffett. And he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He really was. Disgusting. He's disgusting. Like, I wonder if, like, Mark Cuban wants to, like, if there have to be things that go through his head about wanting to punch that guy in the face. Like, I cannot imagine. Not to mention he could buy and sell him. But um, I just, I think that he, he, I watch him. I do like to watch Shark Tank. I will say that. And I watch, and I've been watching him for years. And I find that he tends to value things other he than, wants to help people. Yeah, you can tell. And yeah, he's not going to lose money. You know, I mean, I don't. But, but but he does seem to value things other than profit, and he looks at opportunities as also how can he help. And I I just um, Mark, I'm telling you, I have got some seriously good <laughs> projects in mind. I think first of all, I think he could be running like a really decent independent media situation um, that would be very helpful to the independent left in getting publicity. And I also think he could be very helpful in my little personal project that I'm working on, but we shall see. Yeah. um, But I am a fan. I'm trying to find a clip right now of our good friend, Nina Turner, who was on the breakfast club with Charlemagne the God the other day, uh, basically reiterating the talking point of what we have been very clear on. And that is, this is a class war. This is not a left versus right or red versus blue nonsense. And both sides are completely taking advantage of the class war to benefit themselves financially and politically. Both sides are doing it, whether it's by the culture stuff, the, the, the red flag like issues that they're the wedge issues that they focus on and that they use for fundraising purposes. And that they are doing that to keep us not paying attention this. Yeah. It's a class war. But just as Nina said, and we're going to put this, uh, going to put this clip up real quick because again, she was on the breakfast club the other day. Um, you know, we're huge champions of Nina Turner. Yeah. Aren't we all sick and tired of being sick and tired? Absolutely. Yeah. I just don't know what to do. I'm over it. We need a general strike in this country. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we love her. She, we're because like she on knows. the same page. We're on the same page. I got my strike. And as Jen likes to say, you can't convince the working class to join you for a fight of, of a lifetime in a prize suit. Somebody like Nina absolutely can do it, but the choice to go for a second time in that congressional no. race really hurt her. I think that we need to accept that 24, we need to work on down ballot races. Yes. We need to work on building the bench, even in nonpartisan races. And I think a big part of what we should be doing is getting behind Shama Sawant's project and really focusing on labor and any way we can integrate them into any sort of the political process where they're not like, and I'm not talking about the management of the AFLC. Yes, I do think somebody like Cuban would be better for Biden because I don't oh see God. Cuban doing the things that Biden has done. 
Biden has been terrible for labor. Horrible. Terrible. He, like, we're now that he's, he's based he's on Reagan, empirical evidence. He's Reagan-esque when it comes to labor. Horrible. Horrible. And I also don't know how much of Joe is really there anyway. And I really don't have those doubts when I think about Mark Cuban. So I'm just saying. I just think the country would just feel invigorated with somebody who attempted to do something. I mean, think of it this way. Different. I mean, Guy, you know, it's 30 years. It's 30 years since Ross Perot tried to do what he did. And Ross Perot was a crazy billionaire. Yeah. No, Cuban would not be worth Cuban labor. I really don't think so. Guy, I don't think guy. so. I do think that he does want to help. Because he, I, he wouldn't, and somebody, I think do. of it this way, guy, somebody like Mark Cuban doesn't start a company like Cost Plus Drugs unless he truly cares about people not being able to afford medicine or being able right. to have health. It's not a moneymaker. Now, through social media, Jen has not been able to convince Mark to get behind Medicare for all. But if he did, it's not like he's that far away from it. The fact that he's willing to do what he's done already. I don't need people to agree with me on everything. I don't need people to do everything I want them to do. I just need people to listen to common sense reason, not have to be the smartest Carla, person. Carla. Oh, mwah, Carla. Mwah. That's so sweet. Oh, my God. I love your poochies. Yes. Um, what kind of dogs are they anyway? They look kind of mixed. They're mixed of things. Carla, please tell us what kind of dogs you're a little you have. Woofus. So I, I actually do think that Mark Cuban would bring on different types of people and get different perspective. And he comes from working class background. So I don't think he, he is like, Joe is so far gone and the democratic party is so far entrenched with interests that are just so filthy and nefarious and corrupt. This is why things like Nor companies like Norfolk Southern get to do what they do. That's, that's why this gets to happen over and over and over again. And no, I don't think Mark Cuban would necessarily roll over for a company like that. If you are so inclined to be as, you don't have to be as generous as Carla, although we oh would love God. it and appreciate it, it. Please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a wonderful supporter of our channel. We are giving away the Lulu sticker for every $5 contributor. But for those who are considerably more generous and want to go to $10 a month. You will get the Lulu sticker and the Mansion Parliamentarian, Parliamentarian bumper, bumper sticker. sticker. I mean, we still think this is the most likely shot. Uh, that the is the strongest yes. candidate Mostly. in the Democratic Party. Right now, anyway. If you can't get anything done because of those two, then that's who we should put in charge. I'm it certainly saying. seems that way. Yeah. And yeah, that's another thing about President Biden. Don't forget, he blamed the parliamentarian for not being able to get a $15 minimum wage in the, what was it, the CARES package? Whatever stimulus package it was, there was some. Well, there was one of the things was, one of the packages was the problem was Mansion and Cinema. And then the other one, yes. the problem was the parliamentarian. So I think we need to combine forces. Carla says they are both chow mixes. They are very, oh, very cute. Uh, very, very, very cute. They're but, very cute. But probably a lot of hair. Oh, they look, yeah, that's a lot lots of hair. Lots of, lots of, lots of combing. She has a, you must have a Roomba. But Carla, you, do you have a Roomba? If you are so inclined and are really feeling generous, I will not say who, but one of our, uh, Contributors in the chat this evening happens to be one of our $25 a month contributors. You get the wonderful generational change, tri-blend, silky smooth jersey. You know you want one. It Karina Cunningham exactly wonders, didn't Trump want. fire the parliamentarian to pass the bill? I don't I totally know, thought, but that is totally something that would be possible. The fact that, that a non-elected position can hold up the whole thing is fired. insane. You're totally fired. Like, but, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I understand we need to follow procedures. You need to have a parliamentarian. And I've actually seen very, very competent parliamentarian once. It was very interesting because I hadn't before. Well, Usually it's just a, a name. Was a, competent, was a competent parliamentarian. I've never watched him do his thing, but I watched the woman who did the state uh, convention for the League of Women Voters of the State of Florida, the state parliamentarian for the League. 
She knows her. Let me tell you something. That is if the League of Women Voters ran Congress and how that shit happened, we'd be in an infinitely better place. Karina is absolutely right. It's easy to blame anyone to avoid trying to do anything. Of course, because there's always an opportunity to not do something when it is in your financial interest not to do that. But of course, if you don't want to put your credit card on the grid, you can go to Cash App, dollar sign, Gen Change. And here's the thing, Guy, we survived Donald Trump. And now we just saw that Joe Biden not only wasn't any better, but just has done some really horrible things. So when you say, why would I support someone like Mark Cuban? Why not? At this point, really, why not? I mean, like, seriously. And here's the, <laughs> and, and here's the bottom line. We needed a president after Donald Trump to radically change the economic infrastructure to the populist left, See? which was absolutely necessary. And what we've gotten in many ways is Obama 2.0, and it's even worse. There are people who I will not name who have been suggesting that President Biden is the most progressive president we've had ever in our lifetime. Uh, I will not even dignify that because there's too much empirical evidence that says that it's simply not true. I don't have to get upset. I don't have to defend it. I I don't know how anybody can get upset because I don't know how anybody can take that seriously. That is silly. And if he was this super successful (laughs) president that everybody is so enamored with and so loves and is doing such a great job, then two out of three Democrats would not be asking him not to run again. I'm just saying, it's just a thought. Progressive. That's just so funny to me. He's the most progressive president. Uh, Important bit of news before we go. Uh, There has been a major change in our local state committee chair race. Our friend Andy Mattis of the Teamsters Union, unfortunately, is not running anymore. It is a family matter. Uh, However, our friend Ted Victor, who is one of the most jovial, great people. He's a good guy. In local politics. He is running for the state committee chair, and we are absolutely supporting him. The election is next Saturday. So it's going to be 12 days from now. Uh, This is very important in determining what the future of the South Florida Democratic Party is going to look like. And our congresswoman really felt the need to get involved in this. Not a smart decision. So now, of course, we were going to support Ted anyway, but this is just going to increase our involvement. Yeah. I mean, we would have support. I would have supported Ted anyway, but yeah. Well, fair enough. But Guy, we love you. We appreciate your feedback. Karina, Doug, Mario. Thank you, guys. Carla with the super generous contribution. It's really cool. Tony, great to see you, obviously. Uh, Virgo, uh, every one of you guys. Travers. Who's got Travers with his salty, dry He's over humor. in the UK. That's, we love it. He's in the UK. Yeah, we came out at a good time for him today. Yeah. Doug, always a pleasure. Uh, for everybody that came on the podcast tonight. We are I love the people across the pond. Yes, we have a... We have a small but mighty channel, but a channel that is growing. We have a channel that has now grown to 12,300 subscribers. Guys, it's been so exponential the past few days. And also, don't forget, we've also started a new show on our channel, Thursday nights, 9 o'clock, the Gen Z Report. Mm. And um, we're still finding our way in the best way to do format. Like, it's going to be like kind of like work as we go. But the key thing is for us to really understand what we need to do with that generation in terms of how to best make things happen because we can't do it without them. And I feel like in so many places, we've seen it 
where the people that are my age and definitely we hear it about boomers, whatever, they just talk over them and talk down to them. They're not including them. The Democrats are definitely not speaking to them locally here at all. And it's a huge problem. So I think that we need to be really talking about Gen Z. They're not stupid. They're not lazy. They're just, you know, they're not falling for the same song and dance anymore. As they should not be. It's time they're not for generational change. Smash that like button, subscribe. What do share, we have coming up? Comment. We do not have Wednesday figured out yet, but we're working on it. It'll be another something fun. We're always fun here. We're always fun. Jordan came in at the last minute. Congresswoman, Wait, I th- you have? Oh, that's next week. Yeah, Never Congresswoman mind. Congresswoman okay. Jasmine Crockett was supposed to come on today. She rescheduled to postpone. For Obviously, we know next all the crazy week. stuff that's going on on the Hill right now, but we are rescheduled for next Monday. So check out our most recent clips. Comment on the videos if you can. Check out our shorts. Big Dumb Animal, $4.99. Big Dumb Animal. I, you know, it's always weird I when, like, people, I know. It's like when people thing. have names that I feel like it's rude. Big Dumb Animal. Like, that just doesn't you seem big like big dumb animal, I love you. It doesn't seem like a, like a nice thing to say. No. Some people's names are so fun. Like, uh, mine's so boring. My name's just Jen Perlman. Just Jen. Just Jen. I just, just Jen. Thank you guys for everything. It really means the world. You are what makes this channel possible, the growth possible. We never forget the ones that have been with us for a no. long time. You guys have been awesome. Stay awesome, and we'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.